Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. Man, today's, uh, or this weekend, Monday specifically, this weekend is Martin Luther King's birthday. Uh, I really appreciate this weekend. Coming from where I come from, Mississippi, uh, sometimes people stereotype me when I tell them I'm from Mississippi because of the bad history that surrounds Mississippi. But to be very honest with you, I was raised very interracial, interracially. Uh, I was I went to school interracially. The church I was a part of was interracial. My dad pastored an interracial church. My dad was invited to speak the Afri- African-American church at times. Uh, Anyway, music, life, whatever, I was raised interracially, and uh, there, was, there was no color in my house. There was a difference in culture, which we all have, but there was no color in my house. I don't see color today. Uh, ever since 2003, uh, my family has been minorities. Uh, so to a degree, I understand what it's like to live in a culture to where your color sticks out like a thumb. And uh, it, 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 in 2003, it, it began when, when we moved to Hawaii, and we lived uh, uh, in a mix of a Polynesian, Japanese, and Filipino community. Then we moved uh, to Texas, and we lived in an, about an 86% Hispanic community, and uh, Santa Paula here, Shafter, so forth. So when it comes to minorities and when it comes to uh, what this weekend represents, I really appreciate it. Uh, just because of the relationships that I've been in and what I've seen with my own two eyes. Uh, just for the record, you know, growing up in Mississippi, I saw and experienced less racism than I did when I moved up north as a teenager. When I moved up north, uh, the people that I hung out with uh, were African Americans for the most part, other than, than my church buddies, because I just connected with them on, on more of a level than, 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 than I did uh, other people. And, man, I saw, I experienced, I witnessed racism on a completely different level. Uh, and, you know, I'm, my mindset was like, man, people talk bad about where I come from. They ought to move up here and see what the reality of this stuff really is. So anyway, I, I, not, not that I've experienced it a lot, a little bit, against myself a little bit, but I, I've seen it and I've witnessed it or I've heard the talks or I've talked with uh, people, uh, African Americans specifically, who has had to deal with it. And so I appreciate this weekend. This weekend is, I'm not doing a message on this, but this weekend is, is really a freedom weekend to me. That's what stands out in my mind because it really was, a, 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 you know, Martin Luther King totally represented a movement, a modern day movement. We knew, know what happened in the Civil War, we knew what Abraham Lincoln stood for, but as far as a modern movement, uh, what Martin Luther King did represented a modern movement for the African-American community here in the United States of America. And it made a big difference in their intellect. It made a difference in their mentality. It made a difference in how they saw themselves, how they viewed themselves. And his word and his message even made a difference into maybe people that looked at them one way uh, prior to the messages and the work of Martin Luther King, Jr., uh, as opposed to afterwards. So uh, 
uh, I would just encourage you to take some time and to think about this weekend, and I would encourage you to make sure you recognize equality amongst all races. We are different in culture, right? There's there's no debating that, Uh, but that difference is because of culture. We are all children of God, whether we are light-skinned, whether we are dark-skinned, whether we are somewhere in between-skinned. We are all children of God, and we are beautifully, wonderfully, and amazingly made. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about following the levels of following Jesus. Seriously, I had six points. Now I have seven points. Uh, so I'm, I'm, my goal is to basically spend four or five minutes on each point. This is just something that was, I thought I had a direction uh, this past week or two weeks for today, but the Holy Spirit interrupted it yesterday and just kind of dropped this into my heart uh, for whatever reason. I'm just obeying him. So I want us to look at <clears throat> seven levels of following Jesus Christ. Just because we say we are a Christian, just because we say we're a believer, or if we say we are a follower or disciple of Jesus Christ, doesn't mean that we are on the same level. And I think that's quite obvious when you begin to examine people's lives, choices, and levels of faith, and so forth. And so this is not to point my finger at, at, at any one level. Uh, I, I, I will be very bold to say here at Westside, we accept all levels. And you'll see the levels that I'm, you understand what I'm talking about when I begin to break them down. I, I don't care where you are at on your journey of faith, whether you don't even have a journey of faith right now, like you haven't started that relationship with Jesus, or you've been in it for 40 and 50 years, and you are a maestro at the Bible, and when it comes to hearing God, you know, everybody is welcomed. Everybody is loved. And I know from my standpoint and from my, my leadership team standpoint, we don't look at anybody as more important than anybody else. It doesn't matter if you are on a deep level, let's say level six with God, and somebody else is level one. You're all loved. And you're all treated equal. Now, you might have a different role. We might place a different responsibility on you than somebody else. If you're at a level one or two, we're not going to put the same responsibility on you as a level six, right? And the Bible teaches us about that. You can't give responsibilities to a novice that requires the effort of someone more experienced or wise. But when it comes to acceptance, when it comes to love, when it comes to treatment, when it comes to attention, it don't matter. Whether you are zero or whether you are six or whatever it might be, we love you and we accept you and you are welcome here at Westside Family Fellowship. Amen? And I think it's safe to say that we will exercise grace and patience with you as you explore the various components or aspects of our journeys of faith. We don't expect you to get saved one day and go out on the street and preach in the next day. Heck, I don't go out on the street preaching. That's like my Achilles heel. I can preach before 10,000 and I won't, I, won't, I won't shed a sweat. But put me in front of someone's door knocking and I'm like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? It is so out of my ballpark, man, and it's just not, it's just really not what God has called me to do. Uh, but anyway, let's rock and roll. So the first one is unbeliever. 
Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in and out of some of biblical examples because I'm not giving you a message without biblical examples. So the first one is an unbeliever. That's just level one uh, of, of having a relationship with God. You just don't believe. We see this, we see this in Jesus' uh, ministry with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, so in general, they did not believe in Jesus as the Son of God. I say in general because there was some that embraced Jesus but a high majority of them, they did not embrace Jesus. Now, what's very interesting is that they had, they knew, they lived by the Old Testament. They understood the utterings of the prophets. They understood the coming Messiah. They embraced that. They accepted that. But when God gave them a Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus, they did not accept Jesus. They thought Jesus was a lunatic. They thought Jesus was a madman. They thought Jesus was a hypocrite. They thought Jesus was blasphemous against their religion. And they absolutely rejected Jesus. So they had the Old Testament prophecies. They rejected it. Some of them witnessed the power of God manifesting through Jesus, like signs and wonders, raising the dead, healing and so forth, casting out demons. They still rejected it. Some of them, maybe they didn't see it, but they heard about it from people that they were close to, from people that they trusted, maybe even from family members, but they still reject it. No matter what, they did not and they would not believe. Sad to say, we have a lot of people in the world today, and there is even people within churches across the nation today, this is their level with Jesus. They just simply do not believe. They've heard the word, they've witnessed the word, They've heard the testimonies from people. They might have even seen, heard about, or even uh, witnessed the power of God manifesting. But for whatever reason, their heart nor their mind has opened up to the reality of Jesus Christ. Now, these individuals are not to be judged. They're not to be condemned. Judge not. It is not our role to judge because God is our judge. Amen. It is our role to pray for individuals, to be a light unto individuals like this, to walk with individuals like this, being an example that hopefully they will open their hearts and their minds to the reality of Jesus Christ. That's level one. Level two is the skeptic. We see this uh, with Herod. Uh, not Herod when Jesus was a baby, but Herod when Jesus was going on trial when he was 33 years old. So let me go ahead and read to you. This is Luke 23, 8. Do we got Bible verses today, you guys? Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. So hear that. When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. You would think thumbs up for this joker. For he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he, Jesus, answered him nothing. And the chief priest and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, find that interesting, treated him with contempt and mocked him arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. So we have Herod as the skeptic. He was excited to see Jesus. He heard some great things about Jesus. His heart, was possi- his heart and his mind was possibly open to Jesus. Here's a man that did miracles. Here's a man that claims he's the Son of God. Here's a man that they say was born of a virgin. Wow, 
could this really be? When Jesus came into his presence, he had his own way of examining Jesus. His own way of determining whether or not Jesus was who they said he was or if Jesus was a crazy man. Well, Jesus did not respond to Herod's own personal way of determining whether or not he was God or the Son of God. And because Jesus did not answer, did not work, did not manifest himself according to how Herod thought he would or wanted him to, Herod all of a sudden turned the page. He changed colors. He went from being excited to to mocking him, ridiculing him, making fun of him with his men of war. He was a skeptic. He was not fully believed. He didn't believe. He was excited. We see just in this scripture here that there was a possibility for him to say, yes, this is the Son of God. But yet he was not there. He was skeptical. He was straddling the fence. And we have people in the church today, they straddle the fence to some degree of God's word. And when God doesn't work the way they want him to work, when God doesn't show off the way they want him to show off, when God doesn't move the way that they think he is to move, then the reality of their skepticism comes to pass. Because if you are a faithful believer, your belief isn't based off when, how, what God God does. You just trust the Lord because the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in everything you do, acknowledge God. But as a skeptic, you recognize, you see, you have the possibility of this, but when God doesn't show off, your skepticism is revealed because you back away, you close your heart to God. And we see that Herod closed his heart to Jesus because Jesus didn't perform like he wanted him to. An absolute skeptic. The third one, believing but not following. Matthew 19, verses 6 through 22 reads this. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So he believed, he came to Jesus as as the rabbi, as who Jesus was. He had the habit of doing what was right. 
But he would not fully commit. Can I tell you how many times I have pastored individuals like this? Great people. Solid. Faithful faithful to the word of God. Absolutely believe in Jesus. Love the Lord. They come to church. They, 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 They know the word. They adhere to the word. But when God or the Holy Spirit calls them up to send them out, that's their limit. Because they're not willing to make the sacrifice that one is required to make when God says go. There is a lot of believers like this. They believe in God. They love God. They do their best to do what God says to do. They fear hell. They have entered into the way of wisdom because the Bible says to enter into wisdom you must fear the Lord. And they fear the Lord. But when God says go, they say no. They are believers, but they are not followers. What's interesting about the scripture, I don't think I read it. Uh, no, I did not. The man heard it. Oh, yes, I did. He went away sorrowful. Some versions say he went away sad. What's very interesting to me is he was a believer. He did what's right. He is a person that religion would say he is absolutely upright. He is a great example. But yet he was sorrowful. He went away sad. Why did he go away sad? He was talking with Jesus. He was obeying the commandments. He was going to heaven. Jesus confirmed that. But yet he was still sorrowful. He was still sad. Even though he had God, he didn't have the fullness of God's joy. Have you ever thought about that? Even though he did what was right, even though he was a believer, even though he would be someone that would be like, oh, great, great guy. Especially in today's type of spiritual mindset, he believes, he obeys, and he's rich. If you really dial into some some people's messages, you can see how this message has been preached and has been tried to get people to gravitate toward. Just believe, just do what's right, and then do whatever you got to do to get rich. But this man went away sorrowful. And Jesus said, hey, if you want to be perfect, so since Jesus asked the question, if you want to be perfect, we realize that he was not perfect. I personally believe that the the joy of God or the joy of Jesus in our lives are limited or is limited when we don't fully give ourselves to him. That kitty cat's got your tongue, don't it? Hey, by the way, that Siamese cat outside, don't steal that cat. That is the West Side Pat, pet. 
Like, we feed that thing. Like, I, I, I have tuna up in my office. I came out, I came to church this morning, and after I dropped off donuts, the first thing I did is I gave that cat a can of tuna. That's West Side Pet right there. Our kids play with it. Our kids love on it. You'll see Abigail walking around with it like it's, his, like it's her baby dog. I've heard a few of you tried, tried stealing the thing. Kobe Miller, I heard you took it home and had to bring it back. Where's Kobe at? Don't, put, don't take that cat home and put it in your cat backpack. Kobe has a, backpack, a cat backpack, you guys. He loves kitty cats. Big old meathead loves kitty cats. I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Do not steal the church's cat. I don't even like cats, but I like that cat. And don't let it in the church. We're, 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 don't, don't let it in. It, it will try to come in. It, it, it tried to come in yesterday in a bite with a baby shower, get people getting prepped for a baby shower. Anyway, so what's very interesting to me is how he had this stuff that we would like categorize as good Christian, but yet he didn't have the joy of the Lord. And I think a lot of times that's the problem with a lot of us Christians. We wonder what's wrong with us. We believe, we obey, we go to church, we do all these things, but yet there just seems like we're restless, we lack real peace, we're struggling with real joy, and I think the root of the problem is we haven't really given everything to God. It's kind of like in a marriage. If you don't fully surrender to your spouse, you're not going to reap the full benefits of that marriage. Because the Bible says marriage is one. That means you come together fully. And if you do not fully come together in a marriage, guess what? You're not going to reap the full benefits, the full blessings, the full peace, and the full joy of marriage. But when you fully and totally commit to one another, mentally, emotionally, physically, and you sacrifice your life for one another, and you are there with one another through thick and thin, up and down, in and out, you are allowed to enter into the joy of one another. And it's the same way with God. When we don't fully commit to the Lord, we only get part of him. Because there is an underlying principle to our faith. We reap what we sow. And if we don't sow complete surrenderance, we don't reap the totality of God in our life. Does it mean you're not going to go to heaven? No, I, I would never say that. I don't, I don't believe that. This man, according to Jesus, was going to heaven. He asked, what do I need to do for eternal life? Jesus gave him some instructions, and he says, I've done this. He was going to heaven, but yet he still lacked the totality of God's blessing here on earth because he would not fully surrender. He was a believer, but he was not a follower. Am I making sense this morning? Number four, spend a little bit longer than I wanted to right there. The working servant. So now in this area of scripture, there is a debate on whether Jesus sent out 70 servants or disciples or whether Jesus sent out 72, because there's a bit of a discrepancy uh, in, in the interpretation of it. So it, it, you know what? It's really like picking hairs. It don't matter if he sent out 70 or you don't, if he sent out 72, it's, all, it's really the same. Uh, so that's where we are with this. We're talking about uh, the working servant or the working disciple so let's let's i, I, I think i'm in, i forget what chapter i'm in I, I, I'm, 
Anyway, I'm going to read it to you because I don't have all of it down here. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Now we're going to jump to verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I fully, fully, fully honor and respect these types of people. I really believe, again, this is my opinion, that this should be the base model for every believer. I also know that this is what makes up the majority of Jesus' followers or Jesus' disciples. It is believed that these 70 were not full-time disciples like the 12, but that these 70 had families, they had jobs, they had responsibilities, they went and then they returned. We don't know their names. There is no name of them mentioned in the Bible. We don't know their identities. We don't know where they come from. All we know is that there was 70 or 72 of them, and Jesus sent them out, and they returned. And they were sent out with authority. They were sent out with power. They were sent out with a mission, a mandate, and a purpose. And I believe this, like I just said, should be the base of every Christian. This is what makes up the totality of who preaches the gospel in the world today. Full-time preachers, career-oriented ministers, does not make up the majority of the people that spread the gospel, preach the word, heal the sick, raise the dead, and do what God calls them to do. I'm called here. You're called out there. You out there can do way more than I could ever do out there. We put a lot of praise and, uh, you know, props or, or, or accolades on full-time ministers, but I personally like to turn that around. If you are in this or on this level, you are a working disciple of Jesus Christ, I give you the props. I give you the accolades. I give you the gratitude. I say thank you, thank you, thank you, because it's on your back that the kingdom of God has done and is doing what it's doing. Not because I get up here two times a week and preach a message. Not that what I do is not important. It is. 
specifically in the realm of the church. And we could go to Scripture, and I can prove that to you. But when it comes to the needs of the world, it's the ones that Jesus sends out on a day-to-day basis that goes and returns, goes and returns, goes and returns. If this is your level, you are highly prized. You are highly flavored. almost said flavored. <laughs> you do have a lot of salt on you. Just look yourself. <laughs> Stick your finger in some hot sauce. You really get spicy. But you, you are highly favored. You're highly needed. You're highly desired by God. And if you lived this level out, you would be highly empowered. You could see people healed, saved, and delivered on the job. In the middle of a store. And backyard barbecues. At quinceañeras. At fiestas, at parties, at get-togethers, at gatherings. To me, this is the, one of the most important levels for people to embrace and receive because it's the level that God uses people to change the world. Amen? I'm making some bold statements, and you have every right to debate because they're not necessarily biblical. They're coming from my experience and my opinion. But I will be the one, I would say that pulpit preachers don't save the world. People like you save the world. Well, pulpit preachers equip you to go out and do what God's called you to do. Amen? So that, that's why we see it's all needed. My position is needed. Your position is needed. In order for the kingdom to do what God wants his kingdom to do. And that's the earthly aspect of the kingdom and the heavenly aspect of the kingdom. Let's move on. Going a little bit longer than I anticipated. Number number. Uh, just for the information, number seven is going to be really fast. Six is going to be semi-fast. Five, we'll see what five happens. The full-time leader, let's read Luke chapter 6, verse, verse 12 through 13. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself Now get this, this is very important. And from them, he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. So Jesus had a number of disciples. We don't know how many this was. We don't know if it was the 70. We don't know if it was less. We don't know if it was more. We just know that there was a number of disciples. Jesus spent all night praying. I love this. Jesus spent all night praying. In my mind, I interpret this, that Jesus spent all night with God to get a directive on who he should choose to be full-time apostles. He brought them to him, and then he handpicked 12 of them to leave the life that they knew and to enter into full-time ministry. So number six, or number five, excuse me, is the full-time leader. Again, this is my opinion. I personally don't believe you choose full-time ministry. I believe you choose the calling of being called into full-time ministry. I, I, 
I believe that with all my heart. I don't think someone should just have a good experience with God and be like, oh, yeah, I want to enter into full-time ministry. I believe it is something that God calls you to. I can honestly tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that I never chose ministry. In fact, I ran from it for years. Even when I was doing it, I ran from it. And God has let me know in his way that I know that I know that this is my level. Well, actually, actually, I'll take claim to six, but this is definitely my level. I'm called to be a full-time leader. doesn't mean I don't have side hustles. It don't mean I have other things that I'm involved in or that I do. But they take second or even third placement to what I'm doing today. God has called me to this. I was one of the ones that God pointed out and said, Jonathan... I'm calling you full-time. And he gave me a prophetic word from a dude that, that didn't know what was going on in me. And he said, I've called you into full-time ministry. Guess what? I, was, I, I started out at level four. And I did that in my mid-teenage years, 16, 17. But then I, I, I graduated to a level four. And that's where I wanted to spend my life. But then God called me to a level five. I, I, I just wanted to do my thing. And just be a good follower of Jesus. That's what I wanted to do. God wouldn't let me. And oh my God, did I try. I tried. And I drove Lorana crazy probably trying to do something other than full-time ministry back in the day. God calls people into full-time ministry. He chose 12 out of a group, out of, a group of disciples. Those 12 they left their lives. They had family. We don't know anything about their families. We don't know anything about what occurred. We know Peter was married. And just because we know the heart of God the Father, there had to be balance. I, I'm a big believer in, in ministry and the balance of family. But we also know that these guys was called to make a sacrifice. They stopped being fishermen to be preachers. They stopped being doctors to be preachers. They stopped being tax collectors to be preachers. They stopped doing whatever they were doing to follow Jesus full time. And it started in the ministry of Jesus and it continued when Jesus went ascended unto heaven. Let's move to six. The deep seekers. We see this in... in we see this with Peter, James, and John. I don't have a specific verse, but I, I, I have some, some connecting points. A couple of them argued who was going to be sitting at the right hand of God when they go to heaven. They were invited to experience the transfiguration of Jesus on what we call the Mount Transfiguration. They were asked to go pray with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Later, John had, or prior to that, John had such an intimate with, intimacy with Jesus that during the Last Supper, the Bible says that John sat down next to Jesus and he rested his head on Jesus' chest. These guys were deep seekers. They were intimate with God. They just wasn't full-time apostles. These specific three, these were deep seekers. And what I've experienced as a minister, I've experienced people being called to the deep. And I've also experienced people pursuing the deep. And either ways ago, there are some times when God singles you out. And he, in his own way, lets you know that he's calling you into deep waters. 
But then there's people that maybe God didn't necessarily single them out or gave them a vision, a dream, or whatever it might be. But yet they just long to walk with God on a deep level. And they pursue God on a deep, deep level. And it really doesn't matter who or what. It doesn't matter if you're called to it or if you're just pursuing it because you have a heart for it. It's another level of following Jesus. And it's a level that allowed, it's a level that requires the most sacrifice. It's a level that requires the most risk. It's the level that's asked the most of you. You would think full-time ministry requires the most of you, and it does require a whole lot of you, but seeking God deeply requires the most of you because to go deep, you got to die, and death doesn't come easy. You sacrifice on level five, you die on level six. And death gets you deep. Jesus couldn't go to the deep until he died. The Bible says that he went for three days into Hades. And when he came out, that was when he was glorified. I can give you a lot more examples of of certain individuals going deep. This isn't for everybody, and that's okay. It's okay if, if, if you're not called or if you don't choose to go here because it's not for everybody. It's okay if you're a full-time leader, but yet you're not what we would classify as a deep seeker. That's okay. Just be faithful to what you're called to. It's okay if, if, if you're at level four. You're a, you're, you're a full-time disciple. Or not full-time. You're, you're servant disciple, servant worker. But yet there's just, you, you, you haven't made that choice or you haven't felt that drawing to just to go deep. That's okay. There's no judgment. That There's no like, oh, someone's better than the other. It's okay. But there is that level that sometimes is pursued and sometimes is called. And then we have the seventh. Sorry, I'm preaching 37 minutes. I meant to have you out of here 10 minutes ago. This will be short and sweet. So I don't, I don't want to... I don't like to spend a lot of time on the negative. Thank you. So number one is the fanatics. Not one more. Number seven is the fanatics. I should have had this up there with with number one or two, but it kind of came to me at the last minute. I am not talking about people people who are excited or people who are passionate about God. That's not who I'm talking about. A fanatic can be someone who's very emotional. A fanatic can be someone who's very quiet. When I say fanatic, I'm not talking about just someone who just loves the Lord. I'm talking about someone who has a bit of imbalance and dysfunction in their walk with God. It's okay to be passionate, animated, and excited about God. Some people are passionate and excited about God because of what God brought them from. God saved them. God delivered them. God changed them. God healed them or somebody in their family, and because of it, any chance they get, they're going to they're gonna sing a song unto the Lord. They're going to dance a new dance unto the Lord. They're going to speak with exuberance, and they're going to bless the Lord with all their soul and all their heart. And I am not talking about anybody like that. 
If you want to praise and praise loud, then go for it. If you want to praise and praise quiet, then do your quiet thing. But I am talking about people who take Scripture out of context. I'm talking about people who live in a way that is, quote, and I emphasize, quote, who live according to the Bible, but yet they live in such a weird way that they give other Christians a bad name. I'm talking about people that sometimes are hypocrites. They are radical in church, but they are, they are work, as, the, as Jesus said, they are workers of iniquity in the streets. I'm talking about sometimes people that hurt people. They hurt people because of their agenda. They hurt people because of their interpretation of Scripture. They hurt people because they're all about pushing what they're about as opposed to pushing the kingdom of God. Don't be fanatical. Don't take scripture out of context. Don't build a faith. Don't build a theology. Don't build an experience with God that's off some weird old take from the Bible. Don't take one little scripture that's, that, that, that's pulled out of context and build a religion off of it. Come on, are you breathing this morning? There's too many Christians that maybe out of a good heart, but out of absolute ignorance has done some bad things. I don't mind you getting excited. I don't mind you operating in the gifts of the Spirit. I wish you would. I hope you would. I love it when there's excitement about Jesus in the church, but I'll tell you right now, you ain't going to get weird, at least underneath my pastoral ship. I'll confront you if you get weird. I'll confront you if you start going, giving people false prophecies. I'll confront you if you go tell someone God said this and that person believed it. Then all of a sudden that person went through hell and high water because you gave them some stupid God said word. I've seen it. My wife's experienced it. And I didn't even know about it after church. Some ignorant joker told her uh, uh, that, that, that she was going to fear having children. And she feared for years having kids until a man that was of God came to her and said, Hey, you're going to have plenty of babies. And I tell you what, we've been as fertile as the day is long. We have to take extra precaution if you know what I'm talking about. It don't take a lot for us to have babies. That's a part of the blessing of the Lord. But there was some joker that told her the opposite. And I, I was like, she didn't tell me that after church, and we, we done left. And I was like, why did you tell me that? I wish I would have known that. And we was visiting this church, so it's not like I would see them again. Anyway, you guys understand what I'm saying? Don't be a fanatic. Be faithful. Be committed. If you're at the level one through, three, one through three, then open your heart, open your mind. If you're not a believer, ask God to show you himself. If you're a skeptic, learn to accept how God reveals himself to people in yourself and not base it off what you think you should do. If you're a believer but not a follower, then check out your priorities. Really examine your life. Is it really working for you? Because I bet you it's not. And if your level's four through six, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't grow weak or weary in well-doing. 
but push harder, climb higher, go deeper in whatever God has called you to. Whether you are a servant disciple, a full-time disciple, a disciple that's seeking the deep parts of God, whatever God has called you to, embrace it, guard it, live it, and let God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.